Welcome back to the Making Disciples Everyday podcast. I'm Jason Dukes, and I'm here with Paul Wilkinson. Yep, here I am. And uh, we are with the family of churches known as, uh, well, one of them is known as Brentwood Baptist Church, and then there are multiple neighborhood churches across Middle Tennessee that are fa- part of our fa- make up our family of churches. And so we are a part of what's called the Making Disciples Network of Podcasts. And we hope that this podcast encourages you to be making disciples in the everyday. And our prayer and our goal is that this year uh, you will invite along one person. You know, we hope that it probably is someone who's yet to believe and you can experience um, seeing them discover their identity in Jesus and um, that would be wonderful and beautiful. Maybe you could even be a part of baptizing them, being in on that celebration, and and then more than that, walking with them to continue to learn the kingdom of God and encouraging them to invite along someone to, to discover it as well. And that would be beautiful. That's our prayer. But regardless, invite along one. That's kind of the theme we'll keep repeating this year. And That's our hope and dream. And, and start by praying. Even if you got to pray anonymously, you don't know who the person is yet. Uh, we encourage you to take a second and go look at Luke 6. Uh, that's when the 12 apostles were called. So Jesus already has this big multitude following him around. And it says in verse 12 of Luke 6, During those days Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples, so that's the big multitude, and he chose 12 of them, who he also named apostles, and he named them. Wow. So start with prayer. The Lord will bring a bunch of people, and you'll see the one. You'll and see it. Invite them along. Exactly, that's right. Uh, and in addition to inviting along, you wrote a book by that same title. I did. Uh, I did. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's an ebook that's free. It's not doesn't cost you anything. It's an ebook uh, that I did with with discipleship.org. And if you go to discipleship.org, I think it's slash ebooks, if I remember right. Um, no, well, you can get directly to it by oh, you get discipleship.org slash inviting dash along. Got it. So discipleship. And, I, and I'll post it in the show notes. Okay, good. Yeah, so post it in the show notes. But yeah, discipleship.org slash inviting dash along. And you basically, they, I mean, I'm, we're not trying to bait and switch you here. They ask you for your name and email, and and then you'll get uh, you'll be put on their email list. It's really good resources, but it's a lot for of making resources. disciples. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So if you're interested we in what it. we're doing, yeah. we use it. We're a part of that network, and and um, we hosted their national disciple making forum this year, and and hope to host it again next year. And and so all that to say the. That ebook is free. It's a good resource. I'm told. I'm not trying to declare something I wrote is good, but I've had some leaders encourage that that they feel like it helps folks who are just wrestling with this idea of what does it really mean to invite along uh, and to make disciples not just for Jesus, but make disciples with Jesus and to see what yeah. that life might be like. And so, encourage you to get that if that's a resource you're looking for. So we continue today unpacking uh, this series that our family of churches is currently in called Restoring the Soul. We try to do this podcast in relation to those because we hope it... Yeah, it flows out of the Sunday sermon. Exactly. We hope it helps folks to take what they're hearing on Sunday into their everyday disciple-making lives. And so um, all that to say, this series focuses on Psalm 23. And so last episode, we talked about how uh, anxiety uh, is a part of our lives and that this notion of the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want and makes us lie down in green pastures and restores our soul and 
and we're, it's all for his namesake, and he leads us in the paths of righteousness. We, we get all of those from verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 23. We talked about anxiety and how that affects us even in our disciple-making lives and engagement. And so today, we move into the second part of a, that three-part series that focuses on dealing with depression. And how depression, even when we think about disciple-making relationships, mental and emotional health needs to be a serious aspect of what we think about as we engage with people. We aren't going to just coldly convince them of some facts and then see their lives transformed. It's going to, it's got to be the reality of what are they actually struggling with, dealing with, processing, thinking through, fearful of uh, insecure about, uh, maybe even depressed. Maybe they're serious. Well, sometimes you describe that as God's story, my story, their story. Right? Yeah. The language you Yeah, that's exactly right. And and just the dilemmas that we all face. So what do you mean by that? So like, you know, obviously our story is framed in God's story. And so if you, instead of just reading the Bible, don't pick it apart. Try to read it as one big story. Mm-hmm. And see the beautiful picture of God pursuing us and the identity he gives us, the security he's promised and, and has secured for us in Christ. And then just this, this, this purpose and this hope that we have in him. You know, so see it as the bigger story and then understand that my own story is framed in that story. And then I have to translate that God story, the gospel, into my own story and the more that I do that, the more I begin to understand how the gospel affects my anxieties and fears mm. and worries and yeah. how it changes my relationships, how it how it affects the way I think of myself and think of others. And, and then I'm able to translate that gospel, God's story, into someone else's story yeah. as they welcome me into their life. And, and that's the best way to have a gospel conversation. It's just as, as Mike Glenn says, to simply talk about the difference that Jesus is making in you yeah. and what that means. And, and you know, don't so don't feel like you have to know all the answers. Sometimes it's as simple as being able to talk about, well, how's the gospel changing you? Yeah. You know, and, and that's how that uh, all relates and translates together. That's good. That's good. So a lot of times translating into their story is going to be how has the gospel helped us Frame, understand, endure, anxiety, depression, loneliness, the three topics in Yeah, in, in this series. series. That's right. That's right. And, and all of those affect relationships. They affect our own uh, efforts and goals and purposes. And, and, and so it all really relates uh, pretty significantly. And I think it's just where we are today in our culture. We're paying attention more to the mental and emotional health of mm-hmm. each other than, than I think we have in a long time. So the text for this week was Psalm 23 and verse 4. Mm-hmm. And we've decided as a church family to read this out of the New King James Version in hopes that it's a little more poetic, a little more image-based, and hopefully a little easier to memorize. And maybe even nostalgic for and some we, people, right? Because they, they maybe they learned it in the King James That's Version. Right. So, so here's the New King James Version, uh, Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What jumps out at you? I mean, I, the first thing, the, the obvious one that jumps out is the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. You know, what? what is that? And we could go all philosophical here and, and, and we might ought to just because you've got so many strengths in that. But I think um, 
the valley of the shadow of death, however you think about that, discover that, process that, the truth is that we live literally on this in this world. We live in the shadows of what was the substance that God intended. We we Eden is the the bright light that I think we all long yeah. for. And we live in the shadows outside of it. Yeah, and darkness. Yeah. yeah rather yeah. than the light. <laughs> and that with God life that was intended uh, got disrupted because we wanted more than the green pastures that that garden offered. And, you know, that that's, a, again, that's a part of the gospel story, right? Yeah. Like it, that's, that's the, that's a huge part of it. The restorative message of the, of the gospel. You know, let's, and let's get back to Eden. Let's right? get back. And so I think, I think the idea, the valleys of the shadow of death, I think, um, that stands out because I think if we're, when we're more honest with each other, we all deal with aspects of how the valley of the shadow of death casts shadow into our lives. And it could be that there's something someone struggles with because of insecurities or, or past hurts or, yeah. or even depression. And, and sometimes we're ashamed of it. And so we hide in those shadows mm-hmm. and, you know, or it could be that it could be the ideas of, um, the darkness that's in our own minds. And we have this storm inside. We may look like we're steady on the outside, yep. but we've got this constant storm inside. And, yep. and you know, and, and then the valley of the shadow death, maybe just more figurative deaths, deaths mm-hmm. of a dream or of a marriage or of a, of a, of a, a job that you lost or, or even more literal deaths. Like you've lost, yeah. tragically, you've lost someone, right. um, someone, uh, recently, for example, I'm not super close with, but somebody I have a lot of respect for, and we've spent some time together. And, uh, and he and his wife um, are experiencing a tragedy with one of their one of their newborn babies, and and just the hardness of that, the, yeah. the harshness of that, and the 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 darkness that 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 brings. We still have hope in it, but we we can be honest that it hurts and that it's dark and that it that it's difficult and. I think that's the valleys of the shadow of death and david certainly the writer of that psalm uh we see in other psalms that he definitely dealt with that yeah, yeah for sure and it's it's such a difficult thing to really believe that even though i feel this anger or i feel this shame or i feel this guilt that god still wants me mm. that when we're in the darkness it's hard to believe <laughs> that the one who is light really wants really still wants me. That's right. And I think that's some how Satan persecutes us most fully is we believe into that lie that we're too messy or too far gone, that, that Christ can't use us or want us or yep. we can't be with him anymore. That's good. I take encouragement uh, with the I will fear no evil because it's modified by for you are with me. That's right. <laughs> and, and there's times that I think in our culture and a bit of machismo and masculinity, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you ought to fear no thing. You ought to be brave and uh, you know, I'm, I ain't scared of nothing, as we would say in my old South Carolinian vernacular. And we can't do that on our own. No. Uh, that that's it, it's our that's a lie if it's not grounded in the person and work of Christ and yeah. the maximally perfect being who is God, the omniscient one, the all powerful one, the the one who knows the um, end from the beginning. Yeah. If it's not anchored to a trust in in that being, then there's something we fear and it'll hit us. It'll get us eventually. Oh, it'll hit us hard. I agree. It'll find us. (laughs) And I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, I think, I think if you, 
if you would have ever, if you still, even as you're listening, are one that wants that likes to say, "I don't fear anything." Well, I mean, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't know how that's real and possible. And you may have duped yourself, or have come up with coping mechanisms to 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 deal with the things, or even set aside the things that that you fear. But you know, I, I think you're right. We we talked about it last episode that it's really about the Lord is my shepherd, and there's this presence, right? You are with me. And uh, try to mix the old English and new English there. You art with me. <laughs> but, you know, like this idea of, of his presence, that we are with him and he is with us, that is a theme throughout God's story. That's a constant right. throughout all of the scriptures. And that it's brought out in the middle of this particular psalm, and it's in the reference to the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. Like that's our that's our present reality is the valley yeah. of the shadow of death. That's right. And, you know, that, that, that a with God promise is made to us throughout scriptures is significant. And you're exactly right. I mean, you, you know, and again, I, I think it's all about reminder. Like, like if we're honest, we fear a lot of different things. Yeah. But it's almost like I think about when I was a kid, you know, when I would have to face things that I feared, whether it was a bully or whether it was a situation where I had to get up in front of someone and do something or whether it was a situation that I just was uncomfortable in, I almost had to talk my, my way in up to it and yeah, into it right, and through it. Right. right. And, and in some ways the Psalm here, it seems to me that it's David telling himself, mm-hmm. I don't have to be afraid. Yeah. And you think about it, this dude told himself that when he was little and beat a giant. Yeah. Right. Even told the giant that. Yeah. Right, like I'm. When I'm kingdom's gonna, divided, he's being persecuted by the uh, previous king. Other armies crashing in on him. Yeah, I fear no evil. I fear no evil. And he's faced that's because right. God is with me. That's right. And he's faced that evil multiple yeah. times, and and, uh, and even dealt, dealt with it in his yeah. own life. That's right. And and that's what we. That's what our reality is. We're facing evil that Jesus described. Jesus described as. Um. How did he say? Jesus described it as the one who's still out to still kill and destroy. Yeah. Right. He says, I came that you might have life, but the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you think about it, that's our reality. That's mm-hmm. another part of that God story element that that we are we are and this is what's funny, in in sec, in certain circles that I am sometimes where there's people that are skeptics, they're not believers, they they have serious questions against or at least doubting the things that Christianity might espouse. And and in those circles, and I know you're in those circles too, Paul, in those circles, like I feel like I feel like I, I don't have to apologize for it, but I do have to make almost a very clear statement to them that a significant pillar of the story that we hold to as Christ followers is the story of an evil being that is out to steal, kill, and destroy us. Right. Right, yeah. like that, like yeah. that. And this from start to finish, you see the serpent in the garden, and you think about the Lord telling uh, Cain and Abel, "Sin's crouching at your door; it's ready to get you." So we, we do need to be uh, we need to be aware and and on guard. And let me touch on that. Were. Let me touch on that as someone that's not licensed in counseling and anything like that, but has dealt with um, depression in a significant way, and a clin- has been diagnosed as clinically depressed before, and has dealt with that since I was a kid. You know. I would I would say that a, a big part of 
understanding that story and the dynamic of it. I, I, I was teaching out of Romans back this summer for one of our campuses and 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 in study realized that one of the words that Paul uses when he talks about what sin has done to him and he talks about the wretch that he is. Yeah. The language that he's using there is actually language that is, it, it isn't a stretch at all. It's actually language that's about traumatic and abusive kind of things that have been done to you. Mm. And, and so if you're listening and you deal with depression, which is obviously one of the things, what the series this week focused on, if you're there, understand that the the valley of the shadow of death and this idea of the evil one out to get us, like if I take what Paul's saying there seriously, each of us in some ways have had the trauma of what sin has distorted and contorted in our thinking and in our lives. Like like and it's not that he's it's not Paul saying the devil made me do it or it's his it's not the cliches right. of that. Right. It's a real it's it's what trauma actually does to you, and I've I've had traumatic things in my own life as a as a kid, and and even as an adult too, but specifically as a kid, a couple that have that radically affected me, and and so I, even if you understand what trauma does to you, you you recognize that the language Paul is using there speaks truthfully about the effects of trauma in our lives. We. Like when Jesus prays on the cross, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Even that's traumatic language. Like trauma makes you do and think and feel things where you really don't know that you're, you know, for example, you don't know that you're stifling emotion or coping right. by not dealing with emotion. You you don't know. Like there's so much that you don't aren't aware of yeah. because of the what it's done feeling in the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And so it's this idea. And, and so, in, and that's even a part of our stories. The Valley of the shadow of death has affected us deeply. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't, may, maybe you're not diagnosed with clinical depression, but maybe you just feel the weight of that darkness. Yeah. Even. And either one of those, uh, we've had something that has been, that's like a, a, a significant event that's come against us. And, and this language of this text is giving us this beautiful reminder. You were with me. That's right. And that's where I was going with that was as a kid, even David had to remind himself, yeah. you are with me. And I did, right. you do. I mean, we all do. Yeah. And I think, I think fear isn't something that we overcome. It kind of like with anxiety, we said, you have to dance with it. Fear becomes something that you, you have to figure out how to, to deal with in order to have courage. And I'm looking at the expositor's Bible commentary about the rod and the staff because it's interesting that those are the two things that David here says comfort him. Yeah. And uh, it says the rod and the staff symbolize Yahweh's presence, protection, and guidance. Mm. They summarize his role as shepherd, the effects of which are I shall not want, I will fear no evil, and on and on we go. So this rod and staff, and I think particularly the rod, we think discipline. But these are these are guiding mechanisms that the Lord uses to protect and right. and um, and comfort and shield us in a way. It is, and man, let's just real quickly, just for those who listen and and only think of discipline as punishment. Yeah, that's not what discipline is. Like like discipline, just it isn't just about. 
I'm going to give you a consequence or here's a punishment for you. You know, a lot I, of the discipline we experience culturally is that. Sure, sure. But I, what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to say is, I, it, it isn't just about you did something and now I'm going to give you a yeah. punishment for it. Discipline, at least the way the Bible seems to use it, and we see it really talked heavily about in Hebrews too, mm-hmm. but discipline, the way the Bible seems to speak about it, is about God leaning into mm-hmm. and almost, almost, you know, affecting us in such a way that that he's trying to get our attention to see the path of righteousness that he's leading us in. It's restorative. Yeah. Does that make sense? For God, it's restorative. Yeah. It's not just about punishment. It's not just about you've now done something wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to discipline you. It's very much about I'm trying to lead you in the way that I've laid out. Yeah. And sometimes that hurts because we yep. are wandering away from that or we or we're not even aware of it because of the darkness yeah. that we're dealing with it's in really our lives. Good. So how is it affecting our everyday disciple making? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think just to be I'd say two things. One, I want to be sensitive to those that are listening that maybe deal with depression or maybe yeah. deal as as some um, and man, I'm drawing a blank, you may remember off the top of your head. I think it was 16th or 17th century gentleman that wrote on the dark night of the soul and um, uh, drawn a blank when he wrote on that originally. But when John of the Cross may have been, may have been. So, so dark night of the soul, uh, which is a phrase that gets used a lot uh, nowadays. Um, yeah. I think originated in in this writing from John of the Cross yeah. uh, and. Um, I forget the year exactly, but but it was, uh, uh, you know, not it was. I think it was four or five hundred years ago, if I remember correctly. But I may be wrong. Uh, we're googling it as I speak. But uh, all that to say, I think if you're out there and you're dealing with what someone might call the dark night of the soul, or you're dealing with even depression. Um, yeah. Well, he lived in the 1540 to 1590s. So. Okay. There you go. Then. There you go. So, so five, yeah, five hundred ish years yeah. back. Um, you know, if you're dealing with that, we want to be sensitive to that, and we want to say to you, this isn't the. There isn't a cold, clichéic, silver bullet here, right? You know, just for example, just remembering that God is with you isn't all of a sudden going to cure what you're mm-hmm. walking through. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and I think I think. I think if you're dealing with a dark night of the soul, maybe it's not clinical depression necessarily, but maybe it's a, just a serious season of your life that as the series we talked about before the, the new year, uh, back in November, I think it was, it may be that there's a winter that's in your life right now. And and uh, I, think, I think what Chris Brooks and Mike Glenn and some of the other guys brought out during that series was the notion of let winter do its work. Yep. And, you know, that's a lot of what Psalm 23 is saying, you know, that the Lord is with me. Um, he's my shepherd. He guides me. He leans into me. He's trying to help me be aware of his paths of righteousness, of the green pastures that he's giving, of the abundant table and feasts that he's calling me to, right? Like that we'll get to, you know, I mean, it, it, there isn't a cliche or a silver bullet. None of that is. It's just a reminder. It's just something for you to keep holding fast to. And, mm-hmm. and there are times when you're going to hold fast to it and be willing to let it be what it is. And there are other times where you're going to be kicking against it. Yeah. 
And then there are other times where you're going to be so depressed that you're so numb to all of that. You, you really don't even feel any of it because you are struggling to feel anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think in that numbness and in that darkness and in some of that element of dark night of the soul, um, first of all, don't be afraid to tell somebody that that's really how you feel. Yeah, please do. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. And I think sometimes we feel like we can't tell somebody or we're alone in that. You're not alone in that. I, the, the, the times I've been vulnerable in my life about my own dealings with that, I've, it's feel, it seems like God's always connected it with someone that was willing to say, yeah. hey, I'm in that too, or That's I right. have been in that. And, and you know, and you always find that you're not alone. Um, but the other thing too is I would just say hold fast. Yeah. I mean, there, there are, uh, I was at a 21 pilots concert with my son last year and, and I thought it was interesting that at one point during the concert and it was a sold out Phillips arena in Atlanta, you know, there's 16, 17,000 people. And, um, at one point the Tyler, Tyler Joseph, the lead singer says, makes this statement as he's playing the piano. He says to the crowd, for those of you out there that it was just even a struggle for you to be here, congratulations, I'm glad you're here tonight. Mm. You know, and that comes from some of the darkness that he himself has dealt with. And sometimes sometimes it's just good that you showed up, right? Like yeah. uh, sometimes you can take, you can smile at yourself and know, okay, it was even a struggle that I showed up here. And I think that's the thing we would say to you is don't forget Keep holding fast, keep showing up, and don't try to do it alone. Find somebody that you can walk in that with. And that's the heart of this verse is you are with me, God. Yeah. I'm not alone. That's not cliche. Right. And yeah, that's promise. And reflect on the resurrection. I mean, that's the down payment of the promise. That's, that's right. why we can trust God. That's right. Because he didn't abandon us. That Christ came in the flesh, died and rose. Yeah. And showed us our future hope. And so as you're having, as we're struggling with these sort of things, have hope that it is, as Jason said earlier, it's, it's a part of your story now. And the Lord can use it to be a major part of their story, whoever right. you're discipling. That's right. That that eventually, as you endure, it can become a victory in your life. Very much as so. you help someone else cope and 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 deal uh, with these sort of issues. So I mean, continue to reflect on the resurrection and continue to have hope. Yeah, and you hit it on the head. I mean, that that's such a huge part of the gospel story that's framing our story and that we cling to, that we hold to as our identity and our own security and purpose. I mean, it's the idea that the valley of the shadow of death has been overcome because mm -hmm. the tombstone, the, yeah, the big stone right. out front got rolled to the side. I mean, yeah. like that's the idea here. And, and it's not, again, that's not cliche. Like not. don't take that as just a nice Christian platitude. Yeah. Uh, Cause if you've never experienced a dark night of the soul or, or serious darkness in your life, you may not fully understand the hope of what resurrection means. Mm -hmm. But if you have, and you've come out on the, on the other side of it with a breath and with a light that's a, that gave you a new perspective, yeah. then you know what resurrection means and, and you understand the, the depth of it. And so, um, I agree, man. I think that's a yeah. huge part of it. And I, I cannot enumerate. Um, I wish it were the case that my most joyous moments were my most impactful gospel sharing, witnessing, discipling moments, mm. But it's not. It's not. Uh, we, live, we live in a broken world. 
So my most effective moments are when someone is walking through the valley that I myself have already been through. That's right. And I can get in beside them, not drag them, not push them, but get in beside and walk with them. That's in right. that, those are always the most effective um, disciple moments I have. That's good. I wish it weren't that way. Sure. But, I mean, I guess that's what it is for a melancholy person like myself. Uh, it's just the, the Lord uses it. The Lord uses all of it. I agree. But I think that's reality for most of us because yeah. we are living in this brokenness. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. Right. Like, you know, and, and the more we can be honest about that, the more I think, well, two things, the more I think we will, we will quit giving so much energy to the moralism that we typically mistake as what Jesus intended. But I think also will help the culture around us see that we aren't just focusing on who we don't like, who we're against, and right. and what we think they should be doing better. Yeah. No, no, no. We ourselves needed this hope and this gospel. And that's significant. Yeah. So my one big takeaway, in addition to remembering that God is with you, uh, you said it earlier, tell someone. Yeah. Find someone to share this part of your life with. That's right. Um, and that's a scary thing to do, but... I can't remember a time where it has not benefited me. Yes. Maybe there is one, but I honestly can't remember it. No. No, there's something there's something incredibly therapeutic, even if it's not with a licensed counselor, even yeah. if even even if it's with a friend over coffee. Yeah. Pastor, it, friend, group member, whatever. A group that you're walking with. That's right. There's something incredibly therapeutic about being able to say, This is the darkness I'm in. Yeah. And someone being able to say, well, I'm with, I'm with you. I think God designed us for it. That's right. Yeah. I think it's huge. If you're an equipper out there, someone who equips uh, f- folks within the various church families that are out there, if you're an equipper, our challenge, my, I would give one challenge. Paul certainly can give his. My challenge to you would be don't just tell your success stories. Mm-hmm. It, it, part of your I'm doubling down on that already. <laughs> part of your equipping needs to be some of the things that didn't go well, and some of the ways that you like. You know, you may have heard me tell the story before about the person that my wife and I walked with, had her in our home a lot, walked with for a long time, and she never became a believer. And not only did she not become a believer, she became someone who was aggressive against our family and. Um, we had walked with her for nearly 15 months and, and, um, and she had played with our kids. I mean, it, you know, anyway, just really, really interesting Yeah, that it didn't go well. Right. Like, right. I, you know, I mean, that's a good example of one of the many stories where I could say, Hey, I, I really thought this person was seeing who Jesus really was and, and is and who they are yeah. and that never happened. And, but don't be afraid to say the things that didn't yeah, let work me affirm that well. we see Christ in Gethsemane crying out, sweating blood. Uh, that's a that's a moment we relate to. That's right. We see Jesus leaving town after town. Ah, oh, well, I couldn't yeah save many there. Yeah, their faith was lacking. They didn't want to believe. They yeah. didn't want to submit to the kingdom life that's right. that God offers. So we see a lot of those quote failures. Um, and then in, pick any biblical hero. That's right. <laughs> From, uh, David to whomever with this psalm, and you see his, his failures both morally and spiritually and all the rest, that as leaders we have to set realistic models of Christ overcoming in our life. And that means we got to be vulnerable. And the and the people you lead will only be as vulnerable as you are. It's good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think I think for me, emotion was not something that in my training and my seminary experiences as an equipper Emotions were not something that were really even highlighted. 
Well, I'm an analytic philosopher, so <laughs> I don't have emotions anymore. So I hear you, but but I would say to you, if you're an equipper out there, um, if you aren't paying attention to the emotions of your people, and even the emotions that you feel, um, then you're not you're not really translating the scriptures, translating the gospel into their lives. Like, you know, you, I, I, Trevin Wax says it and I agree with him. I don't, he's not the only one who says it. There's other many counselors and others that say it, that, that almost everyone at all times interprets truth through their emotions. And I think we can become so academic and cold, even in the ways we talk about disciple making that, that, that we can forget the relational, emotional, you know, the way that Jesus cried with the people that he walked with, the yeah. way that he laughed. Sorrowed over Jerusalem. That's exactly yeah. right. The way that he dealt, the emotions that he felt in as he was loving and walking with those others. And so yeah. if you're an equipper out there, please don't miss that. Don't, yeah. don't, don't miss the emotions of the people that you're walking with. Yeah. We encourage you, pray. For the Holy Spirit to remind you that God is with you and just continue to endure. It's and good. we want to help however we can. You can reach me at P. Wilkinson, BrentwoodBaptist.com, or J. Dukes at BrentwoodBaptist.com. We'd love to hear from you and engage with you. It's awesome. Well, man, I, uh, de- dealing with depression was today. The final uh, part of this series is dealing with loneliness. Mm. And so we'll jump to that and see you guys next time.